Mac Power Users, Episode 408, Revisiting Emergency Preparedness. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with my pal, David Sparks. Hello, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? Great. You ready for an emergency? Are you prepared? I think I'm prepared, but I, I hope that there's not one any pending. We are we are out of hurricane season now. That of course we're recording this this podcast when we're we're out of hurricane season, and you know we we don't get many blizzards in these parts. Yeah, we have a different philosophy about um, emergencies in Southern California. We have uh, fires and earthquakes that all happen with almost no warning. So we just like it to just drop on you. And the occasional riot. <laughs> uh, that's one of the things that, you know, we should talk a little bit about this show is, the, and we did cover emergency preparedness a bit in a show two, well, we had an entire show devoted to it, episode 296. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, but we've, we've had a lot happen since that last show. First, we've gotten a, a lot of great listener feedback. Apparently, it's a topic that a lot of people have dealt with personally and have a lot of strong opinions on. Um, since that show, I've been through... A pretty major hurricane, and I guess I should uh, knock on wood here, uh, have, have come through it fair, fairly well unscathed. Um, and I know you've been through a couple of your own emergencies with we, fires and other things going on as well. Yeah, the fires were just over the hill a couple months ago. You could see it from our house. Yeah, it's like, so uh, So we always uh, worry about stuff like that. And and honestly, the technology's changed quite a bit in the last few years. So we decided to go back and and hit this one fresh. Yeah. I do want to stress, though, you know, we called this um, um, uh, the initial title for the show was Disaster Preparedness, but I ultimately went back to Emergency Preparedness because there are many types of emergencies and um, some certainly can be natural disasters. That's, That's one that you and I both have experience with. But emergencies can also be personal emergencies, whether it be due to to health or or just everyday thing like, you know, hard drive failed. That that's certainly an emergency, depending on the circumstances um, or or there's theft or there's some kind of accident. Um, but emergencies can also be good things. Um, and and I, I guess I don't think I've announced on the show, David, but I'm an aunt now. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. She's very cute. She looks like me. Um, but my uh we just we just had a birth in my family and um and i mean those are those are things that you kind of know generally when they're going to happen but um in my case i just got a a, a text message one morning at 5am saying uh it's happening now and it it certainly felt like an emergency at the time that it happened and um thankfully i should say everybody's fine all went well it was a very happy experience but um, I, I guess you classify that in the category of emergency. It was something you had to be prepared for. I agree. And, and this show is not about um, like how much water do you store and how many, you know, we're, this is a tech show. And so we're talking about emergency in relation to technology. And we, we got a bunch of great feedback from listeners about like water storage and food and things like that. And we're going to point some people at some resources through the show that'll help you kind of get into that. But what we want to focus on is, Managing your technology through an emergency, and as the outline kind of evolved, we realized it is more than just a natural disaster. Uh, the stuff we're going to talk about the show could be useful to you if, I mean, if there's uh, you know an accident in the family or a new baby or all sorts of different things. So we tried to make this an outline that could be useful under a lot of circumstances, and hopefully everybody listening can 
uh, improve their checklist a little bit and, and be more prepared the next time they need to be. One of our favorite resources, the, uh, I guess we can't call it the wire cutter anymore. How do you just, do you say wire cutter? I guess, yeah. They got bought by the New York Times, yeah. Over at Wirecutter? That doesn't quite seem grammatically correct, but... Uh, wh- here you go. Wirecutter has a review, or a guide, about emergency preparedness. We'll we'll put a link to that over in the show notes That's that's got some great information and some um, excellent resources, as, as well as plenty of stuff you can buy. Well, I mean, that's the thing with Wirecutters. They review everything, they pick the best, and if you buy it, they get a little spiff on it. But... Uh, with their with their emergency preparedness guide, it has like the best water container storages and recommendations about how many you need and, you know, the pills to clear water up and food storage and, you know, like the emergency radio and, and all sorts of things that we aren't really going to fall within the show. But uh, I know for me, just recently, I am um, uh, with the last set of fires that rolled through Southern California. I said, you know, this is I have no excuse for not being better prepared. And frankly, reading all the emails from the listeners as we started prepping the show, covering issues that we weren't going to cover in the show, but kind of waking me up onto this stuff where I've been, I've earmarked this wire cutter article, you know, we're kind of talking amongst us and the family as to, you know, what type of supplies we need to lay in. And I'm going to ultimately spend a bunch of money at this wire cutter article. Interestingly, wire cutter, you know, they make their money off the, the affiliate links on this stuff. They donate the affiliate links on the disaster relief stuff to disaster relief. So they don't even make money on it. It's it's a really nice service. So if you're looking to uh, just generally prepare for a natural disaster, uh, the geek stuff we're going to cover in this show, and frankly, we're going to cover it better than Wirecutter does. But the, uh, but the overall stuff you're going to need, go to the Wirecutter article. We'll put it in the show notes. I had a, I don't know if you call it an emergency. Well, it certainly felt like one at the time. I had to have a new refrigerator installed a couple of months. It was Labor Day. It was Labor Day. I came home on Labor Day, was getting ready to go out to the lake, opened the, the refrigerator to get the groceries from the grocery store um, to put them away because I was putting stuff together to go to the lake. And um, my refrigerator was not cold. And so I had to go buy a new refrigerator, which is a good thing to do on Labor Day because they're on sale. I promise you I have a point to this. And... um Anyway, long story short, the water cutoff to the refrigerator didn't work because you have to disconnect the water to uh, to connect the new refrigerator. And yeah, so that's kind of, kind of an emergency. I, um, I I had to buy one of those fancy water cutoff things uh, that the wire cutter recommended. So it came in handy. Felt like an emergency at the time. The, uh, the other thing we're not going to cover in this episode is first aid, you know, which is another part of natural disaster relief. And um, there are apps for that. Uh, the first aid app by American Red Cross is one I would recommend everybody download onto their iPad and iPhone right now. Just download it and have it there. Uh, if there's ever a problem, they've got a lot of great guides in there. There's some other ones. If there's one you like better, let us know. We'll put it in the uh, feedback show. But but I think the American Red Cross app is a, is a good recommendation. You know, one thing we have here where I live, Katie, is we have tons of rattlesnakes all over the place. And um, so that's something we always have to deal with. So I'm always ready to deal with the snake bite. I guess I'm not encouraging you to come stay at the house, though, am I? No, I'm never coming over there. You have you have earthquakes and you have rattlesnakes and no, yeah, thank you. I'm good. I, I've never had one in my backyard, but they're in the neighborhood and they're, they're definitely, I, I hike in the local mountains and I see them up there all the time, but you know, they're, they're pretty cool. They, as long as you stay out of their way. I don't I even want to see one. I'm good. I was, I was riding my mountain bike once and, um, you know, my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. So sometimes you see things that, you know, 
look odd and you're not sure what they are. So I hit the brakes and there was like a shiny log stretched across the trail as I was riding my bike. And I, uh, so I stopped, I stopped about, you know, I don't know, seven, eight feet away and I kicked a rock at it and it was like, it coiled up into the biggest rattlesnake I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it just, you know, it's one of those moments where your heart just kind of jumps out of your mouth, you know? Good thing you didn't run over the log. Yeah, exactly. Or try to like bunny hop it. So I, I, I just turned around and said, okay, you get this trail today. This is your trail. And I just turned around and went the other way. But the, uh, yeah. So we have snakes here. Actually, it's the baby rattlesnakes that are actually the most dangerous, which is a whole nother discussion. Anyway, uh, so we're not going to cover that stuff. We're not going to cover, you know, how much water you need or what you do when a rattlesnake bites. But we are going to talk about technology and we've got a big full outline. So I guess we should just get started. All right. Uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about communication, because when the rattlesnake bites, I think I'm going to call somebody for help really fast. <laughs> and um, but um, the the communication is important because, number one, it allows you to call for help, but it also allows you to know about what's coming. Um, it gives you a heads up about what's coming. It, it lets you know um, where danger is imminent. And uh, there's a lot of things that you can use communications for. There are a lot of apps out there, and I put a link in the show notes to um, all the various Red Cross apps. But what you have to think about, what kind of emergencies are you prone to having in your area? I mean, if it's natural disasters, obviously in Florida, weather-related events are, are big for us. The good thing about weather-related events is, you know, you're, you're prone to have um, some advanced warning. So I have a couple of um, weather-related apps on my phone that give me advanced warning. You know, Dark Sky is always a popular one. But for Florida-specific stuff, I have one called Florida Storms that um, taps into local news sources and additional to national news sources um, that gives me some some better local information and, and access to local radios and, and information like that that will give me information you know, specific to my area. So I would encourage you to take a look at what apps might be out there you know, specific to what you might be prone to finding in your area. Like, I, I don't know, can are we able to do, is there any kind of warning system for earthquakes now at all? Well, not really. Uh, there's a, there's an app I've had for years called Quake Watch, and uh, it's very good about reporting earthquakes and the intensity of them. Because sometimes where I live, you feel an earthquake and it doesn't knock things over, but you know, you just had an earthquake, but you don't know if you were at the epicenter of a small quake or if you're on the edge of a really big one and you should be worried about the rest of your family. Uh, so Quake Watch, I, as soon as I feel an earthquake, I open Quake Watch and I can find out where that was, where it was centered and how big it was. In uh, researching for this show, I found a new app called Quake Feed that actually looks a little better to me. And uh, I haven't used it yet. I just downloaded it and prep for the show. But if you live anywhere near earthquakes, um, try out Quake Feed or Quake Watch. They're not going to give you any warning, but they are going to give you good data as soon as it happens. Because, you know, waiting for the news, it, it's often... The news wants to show you the images of all the, you know, potato chips falling over at 7-Eleven more than just give you the details of where it's centered and what the, you know, how big it was. So, uh, so those are two I would recommend. Uh, now, what do you use for, for weather? Like dark skies is great for telling me when it's going to rain, but is that an app that makes sense in hurricane land? Not a ton of sense because what it will do is it will tell you, oh, you're, you're under a hurricane watch, you're under a hurricane warning. But for something like that, you know, you you know way in advance if you're coming under a hurricane watcher or a hurricane warning. 
um, the the one that I use is probably um, it, it's it's one specific that that works with the uh, the local radio stations. Um, it, it's called Florida Storms, and it works with like several dozen different um, radio and television stations. And so you can key in specifically to the one that you're interested in. And it, so you, you tell it where you are and which one you're interested to. So you can, you can listen to your local emergency station or you can listen to, you know, one from a different part of the state. So that's the one that I use. And of course, just general weather apps like, you know, weather channel or, you know, for, for a hurricane, you're going to get information about something like that through, through major news sources. And then what, then what you really want is you want much more local information. And, and I think that's one of the things you just have to consider where you're located at. I mean, if you're living in the center of the country, you've got different, um, you know, center of the United States, you've got different natural t- disaster concerns than you do if you're on the East or the West coast. And we've got listeners all over the world that have, you know, their different challenges as well. So think about what it is that you're facing and, and where you would go for that data. Uh, as an example, fires are a big, wildfires are a big problem in Southern California, uh, I've been through many of them. There are no good apps that track wildfires because they're such weird animals. They show up one day and they start and then, um, you know, you can get some tracking on the web. But honestly, there is no apps that really do a good job of showing you exactly where it's at and where it's heading. So you just got to kind of learn what works for the type of natural disasters you have to deal with. But you should figure that out you know, when you're not in the middle of a natural disaster. So now's the time to kind of do a little research and figure out those apps, get them installed on your phone and your iPad. So they're there when you need them. Um, The other thing that you need to be aware of is the fact that in the midst of a natural disaster, specifically, technology may not work that well. Um, I can tell you when we had our, our brush with Hurricane Irma, uh, we we lost um, our, our cable provider went out fairly early. Um, we lost power and in some areas lost power for days. Some areas lost power for weeks. And um, although cell towers were pretty good, I happen some some cell towers went down. I happen to live in an area that even under the best of circumstances has very poor cell coverage. And um, so even though I was fortunate that my cell tower, I still had cell coverage. Um, even normal cell coverage for me is not good. So y- you need to be aware of what are you going to do with that um, and and make sure that you can, you can get things. So um, sometimes the best bet is just a plain wired telephone, you know, like a copper wire, a traditional copper wire. Um, be aware that if you get your phone through the cable company or if it's a VoIP phone, um, those may not work if the cable is down. That is a challenge for me. We canceled our copper wire phone years ago because the only thing we ever got on it was advertisements. None of our family called us on it. And I just said, this is ridiculous. But it always in the back of my mind makes me wonder, are we going to have an earthquake one day? And I'm is the copper wire phone going to be the only thing that could have gotten word out? Because that, that is oftentimes the case. Uh, cell towers after an earthquake in California just get flooded. I mean, because everybody immediately picks up their phone and starts making calls. Uh, we're going to talk about something you should do other than calls to try and go easier on those towers in a minute. But, but um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but I just, I'm not willing to keep that stupid phone in my house just for that reason. But uh, I'll always wonder if that was a mistake. Well, I think it's just something that you, you need to be aware of. Um, text messages, it, you know, if you can, text messages probably better 
than a phone call. You know, if you absolutely have, better. That's what I was teasing just a minute ago. If you have limited coverage, you're probably much more likely to get a text out than you are a call or anything else. Well, the amount of data used by a text message is it is infinitesimally small compared to a cell phone to a telephone call. Now, a couple things here. Uh, number one is if you're using Apple Messages, it's actually internet data that's put out. Uh, SMS may work better than internet-based messaging. So, uh, one if you if you if you are in the thick of it and suddenly you can't even get a message out, go into your Apple phone settings and turn off the messages. Turn it to forces to SMS messaging. And a lot of times that's a better way to get a message out in emergency than the traditional messaging. Another thing you should do, and this is something I've done, is um, I have set up in drafts. You know, we haven't talked about drafts in a while, but it's still an amazing app and does some crazy good stuff. But with drafts, you can have pre-canned messages and pre-canned messages groups. So like I have the group we call Sparks Prime. It's me, my wife, my um, my and my two kids. And then I have Sparks Big, which is like all of my extended family that is kind of on my, you know, on the inside that doesn't hate me, you know. So uh, so then what I do is uh, in the event of an earthquake, what I would do is send out a message to Prime and to Big uh, saying, OK, I'm fine. This is where I'm at and things are OK. You know, not, nothing. You know, I'd hopefully be able to deliver the message that I'm OK. And then that message would get out to everyone in the group. And it wouldn't require me to have to compose the message. It wouldn't require me to have to spend all the time finding the people. Because after an earthquake hits, it really minutes really do count in terms of getting the word out before the networks get flooded. Uh, so I have a whole kind of like um, system in place to get word out, to communicate out after an earthquake that um, that uses drafts. So just think about that in your life. Maybe that might make sense for you. Right. Um, the other thing you might want to do is consider getting in touch with maybe not necessarily people locally, but more globally. Um, I think we had talked about in our last show having a contact out of state, um, you know, having someone that if we can't get in touch with each other, who is someone else that we're going to check in with? Who can kind of spread the news. And, and a lot of times those lines of communications will stay open where the local ones will not. The um the other thing you can look at is, you know, for example, Facebook um, after a disaster in certain areas will um, they call it a check in feature or, a, you know, you can where you can report yourself and you can report other people as safe. Um, so so Facebook has that kind of feature where you can just check in and, you know, just let everybody know, hey, we're good. I'm good. You can report other people safe. Um, I know they activated that in my area after the hurricane. I don't know how frequently that is activated, but it also could be just something as simple as posting a message. Or Twitter, too. It just depends on what your social media network of choice is. Yeah, I, I want to I talk about social media for just a minute. I will tell you that I found social media to be one of the best places to get information during um, a natural disaster. But I think you have to be careful and use it carefully. Um, I, I think... I think news media and I think local governments are are getting hip to the idea of social networking. I think they're realizing the power of these platforms um, and the fact that you can get information out quickly to a large group of people. I will tell you that I I, I saw posts from my um, my local sheriff's department, my city government, my local police department, fire department. All of those were on social media. And of course, they were using some kind of platform, so their their posts were cross-posted on Twitter and Facebook and those types of things. 
because of the way that Facebook shares information, you know, when, when you go look at Facebook, you're not always seeing everything in a chronological newsfeed. It shows you what it thinks are most important or more popular posts up top rather than necessarily the most recent posts. And yes, I was that, that could cause problems in a disaster. It can. It really can. And I think that was problematic. I, I wish there was a way to easily change that. I mean, I know you can, but I think you have to change it every time. Therefore, I found Twitter a much, much better place to get a lot of good information uh, quickly. And because Twitter was originally built on the SMS platform, it uses very little data. So even when my internet connection went down, which happened about 2 a.m. one morning, I, I woke up and boom, it was down. Little light on my ear was red and I knew I was in trouble. Um, I, I still could get data via Twitter. Now, these a lot of these accounts have a lot of noise in them and there's a lot of chatter going on from time to time. And I don't want information like this in my Twitter account all the time. So what I did is I created a separate list that I still have in Twitter for, um, you know, local and emergency officials. So I've got, you know, the, the mayor in there. I've got the police in there. I've got the fire department in there. I've got weather service in there. I've got local news in there. Um, it was great. I mean, that was where I got information quickly, efficiently, fast. Uh, it was awesome. No, I agree. I think that's a, that's a good thing to consider and, and have in place. And that's something you want to set up in advance. Go ahead and curate that list now. Yeah. So much of this stuff is just a little preparation right now. Um, so what about uh, internet, just internet connectivity in general? I mean, so I, I think it's very likely uh, if you've got an internet connection through your cable company or some other similar service, that you're going to have outages in the event of a natural disaster. If If you've got a huge storm, if you've got an earthquake or something like that, a lot of times those services do get disruptive, disrupted, excuse me. It seems like reading up on this stuff and prep for the show that usually the cell towers are more likely, uh, the cell coverage is more likely to get you to the internet after a big natural disaster than your traditional internet connection. That's what I found. Yeah. So make sure that you're in good shape with that. You know, I mean... I don't know what else to say about that, but but if you look and your internet's down, if your Wi-Fi's down, don't be afraid to switch over to, to your cell network and be ready to use it for a while. And the other thing I would consider is I've always been a cord cutter. I, I don't have cable um, for for my television, and I had a I had an antenna, and I was a little worried because my antenna is on the top of my house, and if we got strong winds, could that either cause it to come down or or other issues? I was lucky; it was fine. But you might want to consider having a backup antenna and specifically a backup indoor antenna so you can at least get some local news and information. Yeah, and that's some good stuff covered in that Wirecutter article, like what's the best, you know, radio, emergency radio. There's some great little radios you can buy that you can crank. They have a hand crank on them or with batteries to get emergency information as well. Um, the other thing you should be aware of um, is even if your Internet connection goes down, does your local area network stay up? That is not necessarily true with all um, uh, internet, uh, de depending on your, um, if you just have Wi-Fi in your house, your, your local area network may not stay up. So having a wired connection between your router and various other devices can be a good thing because I had several days where my, um, my wireless was down but because I still had a wired connection and my wired network stayed up, although I didn't have access to the outside internet, 
I was still able to use Plex between my Synology and my my Apple TV and other things to to stream because everything was still connected locally within my house. This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by Text Expander. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know you heard about it at MPU to get 20% off your first year. Oh, Text Expander, how do I love thee? I just paid uh, for a renewal of my Text Expander for Teams subscription. I've been bringing on some people to help me get through the email and some of the other things I'm working on, and it made sense to me very early to sign up for Text Expander for Teams. It may make sense for you, too. With Text Expander for Teams, you can have a shared repository of Text Expander snippets. So if you've got someone dealing with customer service or someone dealing with reaching out to potential clients, uh, you can have a unified bank of Text Expander snippets that they pull from. With everybody on the same page and pulling from the same pool, it makes it really easy. And if you have any updates, you can just update them from your computer and it automatically propagates to everybody else. An example of this in my life is download codes for my books. Occasionally, I have to send out a new download code for someone and the system that generates those completely changed. Well, when that happened, I had all these text expander snippets that I was sharing with some people on my team. All I had to do is fix the snippets on my end, and then it automatically updated on their end. In fact, the people that were sending these out for me didn't even know anything changed. They used the same snippet, and everything just worked. There are some really big companies using Text Expander this way to handle their customer support, but I'd argue it doesn't have to just be big companies. I've got a pretty small operation, and if you do too, you may want to give this some thought. Using Text Expander for Teams in a small business can make a lot of sense and save you and your team a lot of time. And if you're going to put Text Expander on your team, spend a little time training everyone on it. Show them some of the videos I made. The cool part for me is some of my team members, once they figured out how Text Expander worked, started making even better snippets to use and helping out my customers. Either way, Text Expander is a great tool. It saves you time, gets a unified message out there, and lets you get your work done a lot faster. To learn more, head over to TextExpander.com slash podcast. Now, when you do that, let them know you came from the Mac Power users and you'll get 20% off your first year. Thanks, TextExpander, for supporting the Mac Power users. Katie, what about power? You know, as geeks, we need juice in all these things. What can you do to kind of help prevent running out of power when there's a problem? Well, I think you got to bring your own. And I would say with um, any type of uh, disaster, plan on being without power for several days or possibly longer. Um, And even if it's not a big natural disaster, there are many times when you can be without easy access to power. Um, I I think there is uh, no reason why you shouldn't have your own portable battery. And I'll tell you, in preparation for the hurricane, I think I took a picture of it somewhere and posted it. I, I had about six or seven of these portable batteries charged and ready to go. I, I probably could have powered a small city for a while. Yeah, my family is now call, uh, calling me the Johnny Appleseed of power because every time some relative comes over, they don't have an external battery for their phone. I give them mine and then I get another one because, you know, these anchor batteries are like 20 bucks. And um, I, uh, I do have more than one. Let's just put it that way around the house. I think this is a great thing to have in hand as a, if you think there's a disaster coming or just for any reason, you know, even if you don't know there's a disaster coming, it's just a great reason to have a bunch of these things powered up and around the house for you. 
the uh, I've got a larger one too, and I know you do too, Katie. I've got the um, the Anchor. I think it's a twenty eight thousand milliamp hour battery that can also run a laptop with a USB C uh, port on it. And I always keep that thing fully charged, even though I almost never use it, because I always feel like if we had a big problem, I would get multiple charges for my iPhone out of that big battery. What I'm a big fan of is let everybody have their own battery. Let everybody have their own battery that will be enough to to charge their devices, uh, you know, one or two times and then have at least one bigger battery for the family. You know, that way you're not worried, you're not sharing, everybody's got their own battery and everybody can be powered and, and then go there. Uh, if you're, uh, if you've got some of these bigger ones that you don't use very often, you should have an OmniFocus task or a reminder or some way to make sure that thing gets topped off every once in a while, because they will hold a charge a long time, but they won't hold it forever. And what you don't want to do is suddenly need it and find out that it's empty because you just hadn't charged it for five months. Yeah. So you definitely want to top off prior to something approaching if you know it's coming. I do mine, I think, every two months. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't exactly. I have like an OmniFocus task to check it, and it's about every 60 days. And to be honest, many of them don't need topping off even after just two months. They're all in pretty good shape, but it it doesn't hurt to go ahead and do it anyway. And, um, you know, just make sure those things are always topped off. The, the types of emergencies we have here are always sudden. So I I, re- I don't expect to have any warning. So I always want to make sure everything's in good shape that way. Uh, make sure you've got all the cables and adapters to, of course, put aside. Um, you can get cables very cheap these days. Um, so just make sure you keep some cables with those batteries because you don't know if you'll necessarily be able to get to them somewhere else. I think you and I have both taken to buying a lot of these Anchor batteries. I'm a big fan of those. And most of the Anchor batteries now come with this little, just very simple bag sleeve that come with the batteries. That's like a mesh bag. Yeah. What I've started doing is is every time I buy a new battery, if I don't already have one, I also add one of these short cables to to my order. And I've started buying the short cables that they're a little more expensive, but you can buy like a six inch cable that will convert to both lightning and micro USB. And so I'll get like a six inch micro and, and lightning cable. And what I'll do is I'll just keep the battery in its bag and then I'll stick one of those six inch cables in the bag with the battery. And it takes up no additional space, but I know that if I have a battery, I also have a cable that will both charge that battery and charge my device. Now, you don't have to just go with these little anchor batteries, though. There's there's bigger batteries available, and it's not a bad idea to have a couple of those around, too. Like, you use that one for your car, right? Yeah, um, and that one you do have to worry about topping off. I, I and They make a couple of these now. They make a bunch of different ones. But I have a, um, I have a battery that, that has... Um, I, I don't know what you call them, but it's the clips on the end of them that will that will like the the ends of jump starter cables that will that will clip to a battery and it will it will charge your car. And mine's a couple of years old, but you have to replace them probably every six or seven years. I, I'm on my second one now because they do eventually lose power. But what it will do is I bought this because I I've had an older car. And I had an issue with my battery at some point where, you know, sometimes I would get stuck somewhere with it. And I never wanted to be in a position where I couldn't get myself home. So I I would be able to jumpstart my car without having to call AAA or without having to call someone else to come jump me or, or wait on the kindness of strangers. 
Um, but I just keep that in my trunk and I have that same OmniFocus task to every three months, you know, top that up and make sure it's charged. But a lot of these now also either have USB ports or will have a, um, a DC port on it that you can stick a car adapter in that, of course, you can then convert to DC power and or uh, the USB power. And those are just really big batteries. So don't forget to take advantage of those. In fact, even the older one I have now, even though it doesn't have enough juice to jumpstart my car, is still a really big battery. So I make a point, particularly before something comes, I charge off both of them because I know that even the battery that won't start at my car will still charge a bunch of phones. Yeah, many times. Uh, solar charges are another great idea, especially in relation to natural disasters. I bought the Goal Zero one a couple of years ago. I think I bought it before we did the last show, but I, I don't really remember. Uh, but it's great. You know, it's got a nice solar panel on it. It comes with a series of adapter cables and uh, its own little like charging pack that's it's like a battery that it can charge up. And, you know, about every six months, I'll stick it out in the backyard and just charge it up and, and work from it just to make sure I still know how to use it and that it works. But it's a it's a very low profile thing to keep a hold of. And uh, it theory, it, theoretically, I could use my phone for a very long time uh, with that solar charger if we lost power. Uh, assuming that I would, we would have some sort of cell tower I could get it through. But, but I mean, even just for like accessing the uh, first aid data and the other stuff, I would want to have power to that phone for a long time. Or maybe I'd be going mad because we had no power and I can't record Mac power users. I'd want to to read a book or something. So it's just a great idea to have a solar charger, which gives you theoretically unlimited recharge on your device. Assuming you have the sun, <laughs> we're not under a. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not going to yeah. go there. No. <laughs> well, and, and these these solar power uh, chargers have gotten a lot a lot less expensive. I know that Goal Zero one has dropped in price, um, and and I think Anchor makes one now too. Yeah, they even make one you can just hang off your backpack, so you can charge your phone as you're taking a hike. I mean, there, there's a lot of options now, uh, and you know these devices don't take that much power to charge, so that's uh, a perfect use for solar uh, charging. Uh, if you're really serious about it, um, and I'm not going to go into this in great detail, but, you know, gas-powered portable generator will also be a real useful thing. As we watch the uh, news over the last six months of all the trouble people have had, those generators, I know, have been very useful for some folks. What about the uh, the power in your house and and dealing with, you know, power fluctuations and whatnot? For, for years, you guys pestered me. I finally bought a UPS but Katie's still the queen of UPS on Mac power users. So so tell us about that, Katie. Well, in Florida, we have lots of lightning and we have lots of power surges and we have lots of brownouts um, where maybe you won't necessarily lose power, but the, the power will dim and, and you'll lose things like that. Um, I will tell you, I have a UPS connected to anything that is important to me. I have them connected to all of my computers. I have them connected to all of my networking equipment. And it's great because most of the time that we lose power here, we just lose power for a few seconds or a few minutes. And my device never loses power. It's fine. Everything stays up. And that's 95% of my usage. Um, but if you have an extended power outage or particularly one that you didn't anticipate coming, um, a lot of these uh, UPSs, the ones I use are the APC brand, um, have a, a USB plug that you can connect to your devices, and the Mac can be configured to automatically shut down your devices when the battery in that UPS gets to a certain level, which is nice because you know that your Mac can then you know shut down safely. 
if you know something is coming, um, I always make a point to unplug all of my devices beforehand. Obviously, David, you don't always have that luxury of knowing when something is coming. But um, the night before a storm comes or something like that, I'll always go around and unplug everything that doesn't have to be you know, plugged into power. And then again, the stuff in that battery is is more juice for you to do something. I've run a coffee maker off of my APC before. Yeah, but most of them have USB. So if it's a long time power outage, once again, you, you've got a way to power up your communication devices several times off that UPS. I don't know. What is the plural of a UPS? How many, what is two UPS? Are the UPSs? Are they I, just... I think so. Okay. So how many UPSs do you own? Um, hang on. I got to count. One, two, three. I think I have four right now in the house. Okay. So you, you still win. I, I bought two. I, I put one in, you know, on the networking stuff uh, coming into the house. So you know, the Eero and some of the, um, you know, the router and the stuff coming in the house is, is on a separate UPS. And then the iMac is on a UPS and some of the various pieces that are connected to the iMac. Uh, but the, uh, I didn't feel like I needed anymore. What, what, what are you using for on? Um, I've got, my Mac is on a UPS. I've got all of my networking equipment is on a UPS. I've got one connected to my primary um, entertainment system that's got a, a TiVo and my big flat screen TV and all of that stuff is is on a UPS. And the big reason for that is if we have a momentary power interruption, um, my, my TiVo can take several minutes to reboot. And particularly if it's recording, that can be a problem because a power interruption is not going to interrupt my um, my antenna. Yeah, see, I put a, I put a power surge protector on those things, but I've never put a UPS. I I don't really care if the TV turns off for a few minutes. Yeah, well, but I also don't want it, you know, to have that on off on off on off thing. So, um, and then I have um I have one on my Mac Mini. That's four. Yeah, makes sense. I forgot you've got the uh, network Mac there. Well, um, so we got the UPS uh, situation covered. I I like it. By the way, a little feedback now that I've had one for several months. Uh, it works fine there. The light, I bought the one that Katie told me to buy it and the lights on it are way too bright. I ended up putting electrical tape over a bunch of the indicators on it because it was lighting up the room. Um, but I think it's a great device. I mean, it seems to work uh, when I was finishing up the, uh, the 60 tips book volume two, I had uh, one of my helpers over at the house and she was working on my iMac doing closed captioning while I was downstairs working on the laptop. And the uh, we had a power outage during it, which I didn't realize because the internet stayed up and she kept working upstairs on the iMac and just had no idea that the power went down. So it was great. That's because you had battery backup both on your routers and on the Mac. Yeah, I know. So I'm eating humble pie. And uh, I, don't, I don't know how much money I spent on it. I think the ones you recommended were about $60 each. They weren't super expensive. 50, 60 bucks, yeah. Yeah, but it was, uh, I think it was probably a good investment and, and way overdue. So, and now everybody can stop emailing me about buying a UPS because I'm still getting them. <laughs> uh, while we're on the subject of power, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what do you do to save power? Let's say that we have uh, a natural disaster or maybe the guy down the street, you know, was building a fence and dug through the power line. So, you know, it could be something very easy, but uh, suddenly you've got uh, powers at a premium in your life. What are some of the things you can do on your devices to, to hold on to that juice just a little bit longer? Well, iOS makes this pretty easy now because they have a one button turn on low power mode. 
So that's the first thing that I did. In fact, when when we had our storms, um, I had low power mode on kind of when we were in anticipation of the storm um, and all through it. Um, so that was huge. And um, I ne- I don't think my battery ever dropped below maybe 80, 85%. Um, in addition to having all my mini batteries charged and ready to go. Yeah, you, you probably didn't need to go to low power mode, but it was good that you could. Yeah, well, you just didn't know. You didn't know. So, and it was fine. And what low power mode is it? It flips some switches in the back. It does things like it turns off, you know, push notification. And it turns down the brightness and it disables background refresh. And um, a lot of the things that we'll talk to you about doing manually, but flipping the switch to low power mode just does all that automatically. So manually, what can you do? Uh, one thing is definitely the radios. The, on your iPhone, the radios take a lot of uh, juice. So you've got the cellular, the Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth. Um, give some thought to each one of those as to whether you need to keep it on. Yeah. And, and one thing I noticed, you know, I had the Eros and it was nice because the, the Eros have a little red light on them that will tell you if your internet is down. So I woke up at one point at about 2 a.m. when the storm was getting particularly bad. Um, and I, I got up and I went to the, I went into the kitchen cause I was actually emptying out my fridge and freezer cause I'd waited as long as I possibly could cause I was afraid the power was going to go out. Um, and I looked up, which is where my era was and I saw the light was red and I was like, oh, well, yep, I was expecting that the internet's down. So you just flipped the switch on your wifi. Yeah. If the internet's down, might as well turn the wifi off. And so I was able to, at a glance, quick, keep looking up there and be like, all right, well, when that light turns white, I'll, I'll turn back on my wifi again. Um, and, uh, other things like the brightness, screen brightness is one of the biggest offenders and you may not realize it, you know, you may have turned up brightness in it. It just, it really pulls the juice out of your phone. So, and, and turning it down doesn't really hurt things that much. Yeah. So you can save a, a remarkable amount of time in your battery by turning down the screen brightness. Um, you can do things like turn off background refresh. Um, you can do things like stopping push notification, um, disable location services, disable app updates. Uh, low power mode will do some of that, but not all of that. So you can do some of that manually. Probably the biggest offender of battery life I have found is the Facebook app. Yeah, I think it's funny that on this list, the only app that either one of us thought merited, including specific mention, was Facebook. Uh, I will tell you, I do not keep the Facebook app on my phone, period. Um, one is because I just don't like to be on Facebook that much, although I do now with the Mac Power Users Facebook group. But I have created a web app for Facebook. Um, I used to use the paper app, but now that's no longer updated, and I don't think you can even use it anymore. But I've completely gotten rid of the Facebook app, and I just use a web app. And it's not as great of an experience, but it's fine. It's it's not where every t- – occasionally I'll reinstall the Facebook app to see if it's better – and without fail, it'll be about two days later. I'll be like, why is my battery so bad? I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember. I reinstalled Facebook. Okay. I, I use Facebook primarily to interact with the Mac Power Users group. So I, I don't need it, the app installed. And it's funny, like every, it seems like every year or two, there's some shenanigans that, that we catch with the Facebook app that it's doing something silly uh, that hurts your battery, but to make Facebook, you know, more prevalent. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of the app either. Um, but, you know, if you do have it, uh, go into settings on your phone, settings, general usage, battery, you know, in that order. And just make sure make sure it's being a good citizen, app citizen on your phone. If it's overusing data, then you can make your own decision at that point. But But you can't get by without the app and still be on Facebook. I think this next tip is still true. But I tell you, honestly, I don't know since iOS 10. 
but I believe that the battery charges faster when your phone is in airplane mode. Is that still true? I don't know. I haven't tested it. But I mean, it, it would be using more battery while you're charging it if those radios were on. So it would lead you to think that if you turn the radios off, it could charge faster. But I'm not sure it's super relevant. I believe that's still true because when you're truly in airplane mode, it turns those those radios off. I, but, you know, when you're in an iOS 10, just clicking those buttons to turn off the radios, I don't think always does that. So, but I, But I believe airplane mode would actually turn those radios off. So I think that's true. Um, and obviously, um, you can also, you know, if you pop in a place, uh, sometimes power is at a premium. And I remember not particularly with this hurricane, but with with others, we um, we were out over a week once and occasionally we would just we would go out to dinner. We would go someplace or we'd go have dinner somewhere. And just because, oh, yeah, well, what side of town has power? Let's go over there and, and go get a burrito or something. And everybody would be, you know, plugged into a, a wall socket somewhere. And so if you do have limited access to power for some period of time, you want to make the most of it that you can. So it might be worth having at least one fast charger. Yeah, you know, nothing makes me crazier than when I go to Disneyland and I'll go in the bathroom. Bathroom at Disneyland where like if you buy a one day ticket, it's something like a hundred bucks. And there's a guy there in the bathroom with his phone plugged into the plug in the bathroom, just sitting there waiting for it to charge, you know, or someone sitting on the floor in the back of some shop with their phone plugged in. It's just like, this is why you need these batteries, you know, because uh, when you go to one of these things that uses a lot of juice, bring your power with you. I know this is totally unrelated to this show, but it, man, it just, I, I see this and that makes me feel so bad for these people. That's why I want to be the Johnny Appleseed of, of batteries. But I haven't got to the point where I'm going to give them to strangers yet. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Making Light. Breathe, focus, and make light. You can learn more and save $10 off any new subscription by heading over to makinglight.com and using coupon code MPU10. For more than 40 years, Middle David Candles has been making handcrafted artisanal candles using all-natural soy waxes, cotton wicks, reusable and recyclable containers, and carefully curated collections of wonderful fragrances. They want to help you create a daily ritual of focus so that you can do your best work and help you set aside distraction-free time, turn off your notifications, and let the physical act of lighting a candle be a beginning, and let the flicker and subtle scent be a reminder to help you stay in the zone and do your best work, whether it be creative work, writing, study, or meditation. When you subscribe to a Making Light monthly subscription, you'll receive everything you need in a box for about 22-hour work sessions. You'll have two full-sized candles, a monthly featured fragrance, and a second fragrance from your customized favorites list, plus a sample to audition for next month's featured fragrance. They'll include a box of wooden matches and an occasional encouraging note and other extras to encourage you to make light by focusing on doing your best work. Making Light is a wonderful gift this holiday season, and dozens of MPU listeners have used Making Light as a part of their gift-giving ritual. Whether it's a gift for your parents, for grad students, for spouses, colleagues, or friends, many of you have already found Making Light to be a gift that works on so many levels. It's a gift for someone who you just have trouble shopping for, but it's an unusual and unique gift that helps them focus on doing their best work and leads to ongoing conversations about them and their projects and lasts for as many months as you like at whatever price point makes sense to you. 
I encourage you to head over to makinglight.com and watch their introductory video. It really is beautiful. And learn how you can use these amazing candles to create a daily ritual to help you focus on what matters most. And when you decide to subscribe, make sure you use coupon code MPU to save $10 off any new subscription. And that this code can be used as often as you'd like. So if you want to give the gift of multiple subscriptions of Making Light, you can save this discount off each gift. To learn more, head over to makinglight.com. And thanks to Dan and all the folks over at Middle David's Candles for their fine support of the show. Okay, we talked about power. What about data? Well, and, and by data, we mean your data, um, your, your actual data, not mobile data or things like that. And we already talked about the internet. Yeah. Um, we've talked on the show a lot about having backup strategies and, and things like that. And, and obviously that is even more important when preparing for emergencies and having a comprehensive backup plan in place now and just something that you regularly do as part of your normal routine will give you a jump start on anything that you need to do. Because as, as we talked about, sometimes emergencies are planned. Sometimes you see them coming. Um, sometimes um, they just happen. And that's why they call them emergencies. So I, I would say you need to have a comprehensive backup plan that, that factors in emergencies and so that at any given moment, if something happens, you know that your data is covered. Yeah, and it's easier now than ever. I mean, I don't know what our last backup show was, but I think it was recent enough that we don't need to update it right now. And, you know, offsite is is now, if you want offsite, you can really solve the problem by paying $50 to back Blaze or choose your offsite backup service a year and it's done for you. Uh, portable hard drives are cheaper than ever. So there's there's all these great solutions now that are, are frankly a lot easier and cheaper than they used to be. So there, there's no excuse not to have multiple copies of your data if disaster strikes. Right. I, I still think that back, offsite backup is king, particularly having a, a service like Backblaze that will do automatic offsite backups so that you don't even have to think about it, that you know, you just know that at any given moment your computer is backed up. I really like, um, because hard drive sizes, or hard drives are getting so much bigger now. You know, I just went on Amazon for Black Friday. And did you know you can get like a four terabyte, two and a half inch hard drive now for like 120 bucks or less? I, I mean, I didn't seem that cheap, but I know they're getting in that neighborhood. I, I didn't know that you could get number one hard drives that big and that small of a size for that little money. Yeah, it's just amazing now. Yeah, I have six terabytes at, at Velcro to the bottom of my desk and one that's about that size. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of years ago, we got evacuated from our house because the fire was literally across the street. And they're like, you guys got to get out of here. And it ha it happened very quickly. I mean, if you, you know, I don't know if you watched the news this year with the wildfires up in Northern California, but a bunch of people went to bed and they woke up and their house was on fire. I mean, it was just crazy how fast it happened. Um, so when that happened to us, I, I finally got to answer the question, what would you do if people told you you have 10 minutes to get out of your house? And for me, it was grab all the hard drives and all the pictures off the walls and get the heck out of there. And that's basically as much as I did. So, so I think there's a really good, that's a really good exercise to go through to convince you to buy these portable drives and, and have a routine to get them filled with your data. And I would say also make sure that your hard drives are encrypted because especially the more portable these drives are, they're not only easy for you to grab and go, but they're also easy for someone else to grab and go. 
But more than that, um, you mentioned um, in, in our family, we do the same thing. It's it's grab the computers, grab the data and, and grab the baby books, grab the photo albums. But but more than that is also having digital copies of your data, because particularly in the wildfire situation, uh, sometimes those people weren't home. They didn't have the luxury of being able to grab and, and throw things in their car and go. And having digital copies of your data be, makes it so much easier to back them up as part of your routine, makes them so much easier to get them up in the cloud because analog copies of things can be destroyed, um, but you can replace them with digital backups. And it may not be the same, but wouldn't you rather have that than have nothing? Uh, several years ago, we underwent a big project in, in our home to digitize all of our photos and to go through the entire backlog. And it was, it was a big project and it, there was a fair amount of expense to it because we paid to have them professionally done just because it was such a, a time suck. Um, but I feel so much better knowing that those photos are digitized. And if the house burned down, that they're in the cloud. Did you put them in your uh, Apple Photos library? I did. Yeah, me too. I did the same thing. The only thing that sucks about that is that those pictures are going to be dated the date they were scanned. The day you scanned them. Yeah. So, but you can go through, that's, a, that's another big time suck, frankly, but you can go through and at least, you know, rough sort them and you can either make special albums or actually go through and fiddle with the metadata. But that's, I'm probably going off topic a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to have that stuff. Paperless is a big deal. You know, it's not just your, your images, but it's also your, um, you know, your documents concerning your mortgage and all the other stuff that you may need, you know, your insurance company stuff. Uh, one of the listeners wrote in and said, not only should you have that stuff digitized, you should also have copies printed out. One of the listeners actually keeps copies of the stuff in their cars, you know, uh, kind of like a folder of emergency pr documents printed out in each one of the cars. So if they had to evacuate, they could still get a hold of the the insurance company and the various, you know, banks and whatever they needed. Um, if their house, you know, fell over or caught on fire or something. Yeah, I don't have that stuff printed in my car. I, I have a lot of that stuff in one password or an Evernote, um, just so I know that I can get access to it. I have a lot of the contact information, like I have all of our insurance cards scanned into uh, one password, in addition to having the data typed into one password. If I needed to get in touch with my insurance agent or uh, anything like that, that I know I could contact them. Um, one of the other things that I did, and it's probably a good thing to do, again, something you could add to the OmniFocus task. I did it, you know, I moved into this house in April and then we had the storm in August. Is that when we had it? And and I just, I'd done some, some renovations and some tweaks and I just hadn't had a good time to do it. I went around before the storm and I took pictures of everything. You know, I opened up the China cabinet. I made sure I took pictures of the China. I made sure that I took pictures of the furniture. I made sure I had pictures of the renovations that we did. I went, I took pictures of the cars and I, I, I turned them on so I could see the odometer, you know, so you could take pictures of the odometer readings. Um, and I made sure that all those uploaded to Apple Photos. Um, that's probably something that you don't need to do all the time, but it's probably something that should be updated on a fairly, on, on a, on a basis, on some basis, maybe once a year, once every two years, something like that. And it's something that could come in really handy uh, someday. Um, do you now? Do you use your china often, Katie? Like, if I come over your house on Sunday, are you going to give me the fine china, or do you know my paper plate, or you know what? What do you serve? So I, I actually I I got my china from my grandmother. So um, I I use my I use it at Christmas, 
and perhaps Easter or Mother's Day, like for special occasions. I, I yeah, use like it maybe two or two three, or three times, times a year. year. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's fair enough. Uh-huh. I, I, just, I just want to know where I rate. That's all. Um, I probably, like if you just came over for dinner, no, you wouldn't get the china. But if you came over for Christmas dinner or Easter dinner, you'd, you'd, we'd have china. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you wouldn't like give china to everybody else and give me a paper plate. You wouldn't that, do that. That me. I might do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's all I can be trusted with. All right. Um, okay. So we talked about documents, uh, the types of documents, insurance. Uh, I think property records are important. Um, uh, one you put on the list, I didn't think of was pet information. Yeah. And I don't have any pets, but you sure. And in addition to pet information, personal information, health information, um, one of the things that if, if you take medications or if your prescriptions change, um, you know, one of the things to go and maybe just take pictures of your prescription bottles or take pictures of all your prescription information if you if you need to go and get refills, you know, because you don't have access to them. Um, the other thing is contact information. Now, I am sure everyone listening to this podcast has their contacts in some kind of cloud service that syncs, but it never ceases to amaze me how often I um, correspond with or text someone who I've had in my contacts for years and I get a message back from them that says, who is this? I got a new phone, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, what? Um, so I think just having that information in contacts and having it synced to a cloud service, because if something happened, you know, an, an emergency, especially for everybody who listens to this show is I dropped my phone or my phone's dead and I had to have it replaced. You just want to make sure all that information syncs back. Yeah, and at this day and age, it's really easy to, to to solve that problem with the internet. I'm sorry, my voice is kind of going on us, gang, but I'm doing my best here. Yeah, you still you still got that lingering cold that's been going on for yeah months now. Right. It seems like I'm get, I'm get, it feels like it. It feels like it, <laughs> but I, I'm getting better. But it's like just talking for an hour. It's you know it's starting to to beat me up a little bit. You need a nice cup of tea. I have one here. I've been I've been uh, judiciously pushing the mute button and making hacking and wheezing noises and drinking some tea. So hopefully that'll help. Um, all right. Uh, the uh, One of the things that I think is worth thinking about on all this is in addition to having the data digitally in whatever format you're using, is having, you know, a couple different formats, like maybe your address book you can print out into a text file or the stuff you've got in one password. There's, there's different ways to save that out into like a secure PDF. So that may be worthwhile to have it in a couple different formats. And I, it just depends on what your strategy is. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps for 20% off. We talk in this episode a little bit about sharing 1Password data. And if you're thinking about doing that, there's no better way than using 1Password for families. With 1Password for Families, you have the 1Password Manager that's a deal for your whole household. So how does it work? With 1Password for Families, you pay a subscription fee. It's $4.99 a month, but using the offer code at onepasswordcom MPU, that gets discounted by 20%. Once you sign up, you've got unlimited passwords, credit cards, secure notes, and more for up to five members of your family. So everybody gets the 1Password application, everybody gets the powerful 1Password protections over their passwords, and with a family account, you get so much more. To start with, you get one gigabyte of secure document storage. So if you're looking for a secure location to keep those documents offsite, do it right in 1Password. You got one gigabyte of storage. 
You also get the award-winning applications for Mac, iOS, Windows, and Android. And finally, you get 24-7 fast and helpful email support. Once you sign up for 1Password for Families, you can share it amongst your family. It's the easiest and safest way to share passwords, credit cards, and anything else that's too important for email or text messages or any of the other ways that people seem to want to share this data. You don't have to share everything. For instance, I don't have my banking information shared with my kids, but I do have the Netflix password shared. Everyone can have their own personal vaults in addition to the shared vault, so everyone has exactly the kind of password protection they need. Because it's on the subscription, your software is always up to date, you'll always get the latest versions of 1Password and all the new features as soon as they come out. And best of all, in my opinion, with 1Password for Families, you get your kids used to using 1Password and having safe internet security practices right from the beginning. I signed up for 1Password for Families as soon as they released the product. We've been using it now over a year. We love it. We keep renewing it, and we use it all the time. So why not secure your family? Go to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps. You'll get 20% off, and you'll be helping your family protect their data and safely share it. Thank you, 1Password, for all your support of Mac Power users. So, David, you kind of gave us a, a tease before, but you, you had a, a pretty death-defying um, brush with disaster in the not-so-distant past where you got a knock on the door and your friendly neighborhood fireman was there and said, Sparks family, get out. Yeah, it was it was scary. It, it was actually several years ago now. It was I think it was like 10 years ago now. We were just looking at it the other day. But um, we live up in the kind of the foothills of Southern California, and it's very dry here. And every year about October, things get a little nutty because it's super dry. We haven't had any rain yet, and the winds pick up. They call them the Santa Anas here in Southern California. And some knucklehead starts a fire or just something happens and a fire starts. And like we just had one a couple months ago that was very serious, but we lived just the other side of the wind direction. Like if the wind had blown one direction, we would have been in serious problems, but the wind blew the other direction that day. So we were fine. But uh, 10 years ago, we weren't so lucky. And the thing just came barreling down on our community. And I, I don't live out in the boonies like some people in Southern California where they're really out in the woods. I, I live in a track home, but my track home is on the edge of the track. You know, we face a, a, a Cleveland National Forest. We're like right on the forest there. So uh, it was coming through Cleveland National Forest and it was aiming right at our track. So they came and said, you know, we were watching it all day. I mean, the sky was dark because of all the smoke and, and clearly we all knew we had issues. And they said, no, you guys need to get out of here. And uh, so we had to make that decision. And I had never experienced that before. And I guess some part of me was in denial that we were going to have to leave because I didn't I didn't do as much preparation. I had all day, really, to, to where I should have been packing up the car. But, you know, part of you just says, well, the wind is going to change direction or something's going to happen. But it didn't. So we had to leave very quickly. And uh uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, we weren't in dire circumstances. It wasn't like flames were around us, but it was heading our direction. And the, and the fire, uh, you know, the, the firemen and firewomen are very smart. And, you know, they, they gave us enough warning. You know, they didn't wait till the last minute, I guess is what I'm saying. We, we, you know, we weren't going to die if we stayed 20 minutes, but they wanted us out of there pretty quickly. Um, so we left. And uh, like I said, we, we didn't have a lot of time, but at the, you know, I took my Drobo and my, all my various backup drives 
I think I ended up packing the iMac too because I had enough time to, but we certainly took the laptops. But, you know, by then, even 10 years ago, I had everything digital. So getting the hard drives out of the house was 99% of the battle. And then we just had the pictures that we really loved that we needed to get off the walls. And we have a, um, another thing I've done, and it's kind of outside the scope of the show is I have a fireproof safe in my house. It's not like one of those fancy ones that sits in the floor and has a, a dial on it. Uh, um, edit point. <clears throat> but instead, it's just it's just a fireproof box with a lock on it. So I I've got the key documents for the insurance in the house and things like that. So I threw that in the trunk too, and off we went. And you know what? I didn't feel that concerned. I mean, I guess, obviously, if the house burned down, the house burns down. But I felt like I would be able to survive and figure things out with the information I had. And I knew that I didn't lose any of our pictures. And, uh, you know, our key data was with me. And I still feel that way now. You know, I run a law practice basically out of my house at this point. And um, I... I feel the same way. If I had 15 or 20 minutes, I could get out of here. Not a single bit of client data would get lost. And and these days, it's even better because I've got the cloud stuff even more dialed in than we had 10 years ago because it's so much easier now. Um. Well, I'll tell you that I... I felt very similar when we, we had our, um, our, our Hurricane Irma situation because it was... Um, it was really, it was one of those things where you watched it, you watched it, you watched it, and you almost got hurricane fatigue because it's coming, it's coming, fine, it's coming, would it just get here already? I was getting it, and I was watching it from, from California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these these things always happen. Um, but then, and and like, I was like, it's fine, we're in the middle of the state, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And And then, like, I don't remember what day it actually hit, but like two days before it was actually going to hit, the the track started changing. And then it looked like instead of coming like originally it was going to come like directly up the center of the state. And I was like, oh, well, it, it'll hit us. But then by the time it comes directly up the center of the state, it'll lose a lot of steam. But then it was like shifting off to the side and then it was going to like curve back around and come in, which meant it was going to just come over a little part of the state and hit us. And like the day before and two days before, it was like, oh, this is this is kind of shaping up to be a pretty big deal, you know, based on where the track was going to change. And where where I live, I mean, I wasn't worried about flood. I wasn't worried about storm surge or any of that. We are very fortunate that we live in a very tree-friendly community. And um, we have beautiful, beautiful trees, large trees, big oak trees. And the thing about oak trees, if you are fortunate to, to have a lot of them around, is they are big, beautiful trees, but they don't have very deep root system. And when the winds kick up, and especially when the ground is wet, they just topple and you can have this huge oak tree just topple and come crush you. And it's all it's in, in my area, at least it's all a matter of where the trees fall. And my, my house, I'm just looking around my house and my house is just surrounded by these big, beautiful oak trees. And um, I mean, I have, I have no idea. I mean, I know I'm going to lose power for some period of time. I know I'm going to lose internet. Those are just foregone conclusions. But what you don't know is whether a tree is going to demolish your house or demolish your office building. And so, I mean, I felt very confident that, you know, my data was going to be safe, just just same as you did. Um, I was very busy making preparations. So I went in um, to the office for about 20 minutes. Um, I'd already had all my backups done, but I just, you know, un unplugged everything. And I 
you know, took everything, make sure it was all off the ground and um, made sure my super duper backup was up to date. And, you know, I left the office and I stuck a two and a half inch hard drive in my pocket and had everything backed up at the cloud and said, well, if this is it, you know, having my my office backed up was great. And there there was really nothing to do. I was like, you know, here it is. But um, and got my house prepared and all. But the the other thing that that I did is I um I created a go bag because what I didn't know is if during in the middle of the storm, if I was going to have a tree come through my roof and I was just going to have to grab a bag and and literally flee my house, you know, at that moment because I was sheltering in place. So that was that was the interesting piece for me. I want to talk about that go bag. You want you want to cover that now? Yeah, yeah. So. I, at any given time, and I think I've talked about this before, so, uh, and, and I'll talk about specifically about the hurricane go bag, but at any given time, I have a couple of go bags packed. Um, now, keep in mind, I'm a woman, so I have the luxury of carrying a purse most of the time. And so at any given time, I have with me a mini go bag. And um, if, I, I realize that most of our podcast audience is men, so gentlemen, ask your ask your wives or, or your girlfriends. Um but if you've ever seen there, whenever you buy cosmetics, you'll you'll typically get a little free trial of something and it will come in like a little tiny bag. Um, and so I have one of those that, you know, I think it's designed for carrying lipstick and a few other little things. I have one of those in the bottom of my purse and I do that just so it's, you know, all together. Um, if you want to go buy one, uh, Tom Ben makes a really nice one called the Q-Kit. So you can get either a little small makeup bag or you uh and, and I promise you some some woman in your life that, you know, um, has one that they can pull out of their drawer and hand to you. Uh, or you can go grab the Tom Ben Q kit is also a nice one. And what I have in there is I have um, a, a portable battery. I have one of those small anchor batteries. I have a small USB charger. Um, I'll put a link to the one in the show notes that I like, but it's the same size as the Apple 5 watt charger, but it's a 10 watt charger and it has two USB ports. So it's super small. Um, and then I have a mini USB cable that has USB and lightning because I told you I stick that in my in my battery sleeve. Um, and I have old style headphones with the with the mini what's it called the the regular headphone port the the mini audio port um, the headphone yeah the old headphone the headphone port um, and a lightning adapter. What, in there. Yeah, as I say, what are you going to do without any of the adapter? Well, no, and I specifically want a pair of old style headphones because I want them to be as universal as possible. And then I put the lightning adapter in there. So this all fits very neatly. Oh, and I have a and I have a spare twenty dollar bill. So this all fits very neatly in a very small, compact little bag that I just throw in the bottom of my purse. And so at any given time I can reach in, I can grab that, I can throw it in my gym bag, I can throw it in wherever. So no matter where I am, I've got power, I've got the ability to charge up my power, I've got headphones, and I've got twenty bucks. I've got I've got a a similar thing I do um a couple of years ago. Some of those packing cubes were on sale on Amazon, so I bought a bunch of them. And I've got a shelf um, in my home office where it's got like one one packing cube has all the photography-related stuff in it. So if I need to take pictures, all the various connectors and tripods and everything is all fits in, you know, all fits in this one little packing cube. I've got another one that's kind of like an emergency one. And in it, I've got most of the stuff you talked about um, – I actually keep the the large anchor charger in it, so it's got the larger charger, and I've got several more cables because I anticipate if this I needed this bag, it would be not only for me but for my wife and kids too. And I've got a bunch of um, um, of um, cliff bars in it, which is seems silly, but it's like there's probably about fifteen 
cliff bars of various tastes and sizes. That's a lot of cliff bars, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, it's a bag that I don't keep with me very often, but I, I, I kind of look at it as the go bag. If someone said, knocked on my door again and said, the wildfires are coming, you got to get out of there. If I brought this one bag with me, we would have some food to eat. We would have power to our devices. Uh, that's actually the bag where I store, um, on top of it, I store the uh, the solar charger. So it's like, it's all in one place and very easy for me to grab it and run. So I kind of have my own version of the go bag, even though, uh, but it's uh, with these, using these packing cubes, I've been able to make, like I have another one that is full of travel related gear. Uh, Like if I'm going to go, you know, with all the connectors or whatever, I'm going to go give a presentation. So, um, so I, I kind of have them segregated based on the type of thing I need, but they're all in one place. And if I wanted to, I could just grab them all and it wouldn't take much more time. Yeah, that um, that wall charger I have, by the way, is the Aki USB ultra compact charger. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You you have multiple go bags too, right? Well, I have the small one that I just it's it's a little pouch that I keep at the bottom of my purse, which is which is great because I just grab that it, that I can grab and take with me anywhere. And I, I've just I've I've had a lot of things recently. You know, it, it's in the bottom of my purse. It just it I can throw it in my briefcase. We had a death in our family this this past summer, and that was after an extended illness. So I never knew when I was going to have to go to the hospital or um, and and then we had a baby. And so I didn't know when I was going to get called to go to the hospital for the baby. So I just I've I've had a lot of those types of events. And I was just like, you know what, if I have if I have just this stuff, I know that I have power. I know that I can listen to music or podcasts and I know that I have 20 bucks so that I can get myself something to eat. You know, and and so I just I knew that I wanted to have that with me all the time. Um, if I'm expecting something, then I have a larger go bag, and that includes you know all of the above because I just take my my smaller bag and incorporate it into it. And then that's where I keep things like um, my Anchor four port wall charger. Um, I have a larger battery charger. I have you know various USB and micro USB cables. I have an Apple Watch. It's actually the the base of my travel kit, which I pretty much keep packed twenty four seven and add and remove from it as I need to. So I just kind of keep that base packed, very similar to what you have. And then if I'm, you know, giving a presentation, then I'll add the HDMI adapters and the and the remote and those types of things. Yeah, I, I think there's benefit to having, if, if not a mini go bag, but maybe a regular go bag packed. Yeah, another thing I do, kind of a variety, uh, a variation on this is I also have a briefcase and I have a backpack. And uh, I use the backpack probably more than the briefcase at this point. But... Uh, I don't, um, I don't move my battery into the backpack or the briefcase. I just bought an extra battery and a set of cables for those devices. I mean, for those bags. So if I pick up my backpack and drop a laptop or an iPad in it and just leave, it's already got uh, a variety of things. It's got reading glasses. It's got batteries. It's got, you know, it's got tech stuff and personal stuff in there. Another thing I do here in Southern California, a fireman, client of mine told me this once is you should always have a whistle on you if you live in earthquake land because you know if you have a whistle and you get stuck somewhere uh people will hear the whistle they won't hear anything else so i I have whistles in like a bunch of these bags i just have whistles you never know you know you need them um so you know there's nothing wrong with spending a few extra bucks just to make sure you've got the necessities in whatever devices you carry around with you you know some people i know keep a whole set in the glove box of all their cars but i feel like you're never going to be it's going to cost you a little money to to duplicate some of these things these go bags but it's not that expensive you're just talking 
probably the battery is the most expensive thing in there. And then you're just talking cables and a whistle. And, and whatever. I mean, it just depends where you live and what, what issues you have. But but I mean, for a, for a, a reasonably low amount of money, you can just make sure you've got this stuff with you no matter where you are. And it really is comforting knowing that. And, you know, that that particular night with the hurricane, I mean, we, we had one particular night where we knew that if, if you know, if a tree was going to fall, it was going to be be that night. Um, that was the night that I packed a backpack. And in that backpack, I had, you know, a simple change of clothes. I had a pair of shoes. I had I packed my hard drives in that backpack. I put my computer in that backpack and I just never let that. I had an empty water bottle in that backpack. because I didn't want a full water bottle in that backpack. And I just never let that, you know, I always knew where that backpack was so that I knew that I could grab it. And leave the house with it if I needed to. Ever tell you about the time Disneyland security took my whistle? No. Oh, man, it made me so mad. So they have security at Disneyland now, which I think is probably a good thing. But they go through your bag and they they saw that I had a whistle in there. And they're like, oh, you can't have a whistle. Yeah, they probably thought you were a troublemaker and we're going to. I said, I said, why not? And they, they showed me the list of things that are forbidden. And one of them was anything we think is, you know, troublesome. They, they don't have whistle on the list. I'm like. I've been carrying a whistle with me to Disneyland for probably 10 years, you know, (laughs) they're like, well, you can't have it. And I said, why not? And they said, well, if you blow it, it's a problem. I said, well, if I blow it, you should throw me out and take away my pass or whatever, but, but I'm not going to blow it unless I need it. So we, we went back and forth and eventually they, I didn't, I lost my, I was very upset. They took my whistle. And then I was in Disneyland just a couple months ago in one of the stores in California Adventure Park, which is, you know, the second park in the West Coast. And I was in the, they have like a little Sierra camping store, like a fake camping store. Guess what they sell there? Whistles. You bought, did you buy a whistle? They, I bought a whistle and I keep the receipt in my bag. So the next time they give me a hard time about it, I'm going to say, here's my receipt. I bought it in the place that I'm trying to get into. So we'll see. You know, some of the Tom Bin bags. Um, that have clips on them actually have whistles built into the clips. Yeah, I know. I know. Liana Lehua, my friend, and sometimes guest on her show has one of those. And it's great. They aren't that loud, though. I mean, the a, a, a real good, you know, stainless steel whistle can make a lot of noise. And um, I, I'd ideally like to be able to carry that. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero has created the dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection throughout your house and even in your backyard. And now is the best time to get on board with Eero as they've just released their new super slick second generation devices. They have introduced their tri-band second generation model along with the Eero Beacon, which allows you to build a Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored to your home. The second generation Eero includes a third 5 gigahertz radio, making it twice as fast as before. This lets you do more than ever. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, the Eero has enough to blanket your entire house in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It sits on any flat surface. Just plug it into the wall with the included power adapter, and you're ready to connect your Eero either to Ethernet or wirelessly. And the new Eero also includes a thread radio, which allows you to connect to all those low-power devices you now have throughout your home, like locks, doorbells, and more. And Eero is introducing their new beacon as well. You just plug it into the wall and expand coverage into any room. You can add as many Eero beacons as you want, so long as you have one Eero device. And it even includes a built-in LED nightlight and ambient light sensor. 
The Eero app allows you to manage your network from the palm of your hand, and you can instantly create and share a guest network too. And of course, if you run into any trouble, the Eero customer support is amazing. You can call and get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert in just 30 seconds. I've been using Eero throughout my home ever since they released their Generation 1 product, and I've even installed Eero in my parents' home as well, because who wants to deal with family and Wi-Fi issues? It has solved all of the Wi-Fi problems, all of the coverage problems we've had throughout of our home, and I just don't have to worry about fiddling with the Wi-Fi anymore. It was super easy to set up, and a new Eero system starts at just $399 for a second-generation Eero and two beacons. That's everything you need to get started. And listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada when you head over to Eero.com, that's E-E-R-O.com, and use the promo code MPU. Again, head over to Eero.com with promo code MPU for free overnight shipping, and thanks Eero for their kind support of the show. So Katie, here's a difficult topic. You know, I, I think it's related to disaster preparedness and emergency preparedness is what happens when someone dies or gets seriously ill? And uh, what, what do you do with their technology? Well, one of the problems, I think, and I, and I see this a lot in my business, when someone dies or gets seriously ill, often one spouse is kind of the tech savvy spouse and one spouse handled the finances and one spouse you know, knew all this stuff, but unfortunately the other doesn't. And so I think one of the the most important things is to make sure that there's at least a base level of understanding. And so take some time now to make sure that your spouse or significant other at least has a base level of understanding of this is how our passwords work. You know, this is how you access our accounts online. This is why, this is why we do things the way that we do. Um, and, you know, I, I set my family up on one password a couple of years ago, um, you know, not, not so um, well, very much so that they could have better passwords and better security practices, but but also just so that they would understand how it worked and would be comfortable with it at some point. And and that's been been huge. But I, I I think the big thing is just make sure that there's at least some kind of base level of under understanding there, and then talking about it and saying if something happens that these are the things that that at a very base level somebody in my life needs to know how to do. And I, I actually created an, because my family knows how to use one password. I actually created a note in one password um, that's just written to my family. And I tried, I've tried very hard not to make it morbid. Just if something happens, these are the things that need to be done immediately. You know, these are my ongoing monthly expenses that have to be paid. You know, these, these are the things that you need to look at. Um, you know, these are the things that you need to contact. These are the insurance policies you need to know about. Um, just like this is the base level of information and where you can find it so that you don't have to go looking for it. Yeah, I do think that that's something that everybody listening to the show should give some thought to. Um, I can tell you my personal experience with it is um, as, you know, I spent more and more time building Max Sparky and the the publishing books and things like that. It occurred to me that if I got hit by a bus, my wife would be completely adrift. I mean, there, there's just a lot of stuff I do that she's not interested in. And, I, and I'm and i not going to be able to teach her, like, how to shut down the website or how to do whatever if my, you know, ticket gets punched. So uh, so what I did was I did get her into 1Password, and she's very much into it. And in her 1Password library is the um the one password for my one password you know so once that's the keys to the kingdom 
And the other thing I did, um, and I guess this depends on everybody out there, but if you feel like that um, if something happens to you that the people in your family are going to have trouble dealing with this, and, and put in mind that you just got hit by a bus, so they're not in really a mind to learn about technology as it is anyway. Um, you should have some surrogates. You know, like I have designated in my will, you know, Katie, you're on the list. Um, if something happens to me, you'll probably be hearing from Daisy saying, Oh, that's good because you're on my list. Yeah, you know, but, but I mean, it really, I mean, uh, find some nerd friends that would be willing to help out your family if something happened to you to make sure. Um, you know, we run websites and podcasts, but. Also, just think about, you know, the photos. How are the photos getting managed? How are they going to get access to photos? If you've gone all in on paperless and your spouse isn't completely there, you know, is there somebody that can help him or her kind of navigate those waters after you're gone? Um, and just kind of lead yourself through the difficult, you know, thought exercise. If something happens to me, except that, you know, your spouse or your significant other is going to be upset about losing you. Um, how can you make it easier for them to deal with whatever digital breadcrumbs you're leaving and put that plan into action? I mean, uh, a letter in your will or even just a, a text document or, you know, uh, something like one password. There, there's a lot of ways you can kind of very much make that process easier. But you've you've got to do the hard work right now. Yeah, there's a there's a document called the one password emergency kit. And it's been through a couple of different iterations. And even if you don't use one password, uh, you just make up something similar to this. But uh, I keep a copy of this with all of my important papers and I keep it secure. It's in, I, ha I have a safe at my home that important people in my life, a couple of people know how to get access to that, that includes the very important papers in my life. Um, and it also includes a copy of this document. And it says, um, this is the, the, the master password to my computer so that you can get in and get past file vault. This is the master password to one password. Um, and then um, I think I think it gives like the Dropbox account password and those types of things, um, because at one point, you know, Dropbox didn't sync through one. Anyway, I don't remember, but it gives you enough information that you get access to all those things. And then it also says these are the names of a couple of people who can help you with this. And I think I put um, uh, at least one of them is a local contact so that they can they can get in touch with somebody quickly who can help them with it. And um, and then after that, you know, it's like everything's in one password. Good luck. Go for it. Well, I mean, and a nerd friend, like if you got into my one password, you could find everything you needed to to do whatever you you needed to do, and um, and that's just it. Uh, so I get the the show sounds like a long one password, <laughs> but uh, but that this is one of those things that that an app like that is is very good for. So uh, have something like that in your life, and please don't make it an Excel sheet or a um a Word document on your desktop that that's titled passwords. Yeah, the other thing that I would tell you, because I, I know we have a lot of, uh, to steal a phrase, David, free agents who listen to this show, um, is is if you are in some kind of fiduciary capacity for other people, is is to make sure that you have a plan for that. I, I know in Florida, um, attorneys who are in a sole practice and who are not in part of a partnership, uh, we are required to have someone designated as a backup and to require that that backup has, you know, certain access and certain rights if something and it's just for that reason you know that if we got hit by a bus there's there's someone who can contact our clients there's someone who can manage trust accounts and do those types of things but if if you're not in an industry that is regulated and requires those types of things make sure that you do due diligence and and have some kind of backup or person in place um you know i know somebody who unfortunately passed away um they were they were in the tech space and they were the administrator for 
um, several small business websites. And this was several years ago when it was a much bigger deal. And, and, and those companies lost their websites because nobody knew the passwords and nobody knew what to do. And nobody knew how to, how to, who to contact or what to do. And um, I, I don't know what some of those did, but I, I know that some people actually lost access to their websites and lost information because he died and there was, there was, there was no backup plan. But uh, like I said, I, so much of this show is about preparation. Just spend a little time thinking about this. I hope that we triggered a few thoughts and questions in your mind as we went through today's show. Um, we're going to do feedback on this. I'm sure we'll hear some. Uh, please do keep the feedback to technology-related stuff. I mean, we got a ton of feedback on emergency preparedness, like I said, on you know which how to store your water and things like that. We just, we, we just can't go there on Mac power users. It's just beyond what we do too much. Yeah. And, and we will tell you in the better places to send that feedback is to either send them through Twitter. The show is at Mac power users. I'm at Katie Floyd and David is at Mac Sparky or through Facebook. Uh, we've got a link to the Facebook group um, and the show notes are on the website at relay.fm slash MPU. We, we love getting your emails, but unfortunately you're, we're drowning in them. So, um, Twitter or Facebook are really the preferred methods for feedback at this point. And speaking of which, we do have some some tips from listeners from our, our previous episodes. Yeah, you know, I was going through them. With, we have so many tips. I, I We incorporated most of them into the outline, and um, I don't really have a whole lot to add uh, from these tips. I mean, like, for instance, uh, Roger wrote in. He's a, a friend, a personal friend, as well as a listener of the show. He lived on an island down down in the middle of nowhere forever where they would routinely get cut off from the rest of the world. And he had some great advice, but it was a lot of the same stuff. You know, make sure that you look at cell towers versus wireless and, um, you know, get batteries, get as much power as you can as available to you. Um, uh, use SMS as opposed to internet-based messaging. Um, all this stuff is really good, but it's stuff that I think we covered already in the show outline. Um, we got a lot of tips from people about, you know, food and water and those types of things. And again, we appreciate them, but really um, out, outside the, the scope of, of the show. Um, although I will say cash is king. So make sure you have a little cash on you. Yeah. You know, when you said earlier, $20, I actually keep more than $20 around for emergencies. I probably do too. I have I have a twenty in that bag, and then I keep a. Although I don't carry an iPhone case anymore, so I don't think about when I do this. Um, I always kept a twenty, and I, I probably should up it to a fifty between my iPhone and my iPhone case. We sold um, a couple of years ago. We went through the house and um, and just kind of did a purge, and I sold a bunch of stuff on Craigslist, and ended up with this pile of a thousand dollars of that. You know, I just from very and I and I had been meaning to take it to the bank, and I never did. And I uh, eventually sealed it up and hid it really well in my house. And it's still sitting there. I know where it's at, but I haven't looked at it in years. But I like the idea of having it there just in case, you know, we have a big earthquake or something and, and having a little cash on hand might be a good idea. You say that. And then now your kids are like wandering around the house looking for yeah, it. Exactly. And then some listeners are going to write in and say, how come you don't have more? How come you don't have, any? you know, I just, uh, this is just kind of a side thing gang. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> But the, uh, but having money around is a good idea. I always tell that to my kids too. We, I always, I tell them, look, they have emergency twenties as well in their cars and wallets and whatever. And I, that's part of being dad. I say, I will always replenish that. If you use it, please don't go, don't use it and not tell me. And you know, if you don't have the money, replenish yourself, please come to me. I will automatically fill that for you. It's not Taco Bell money. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't want them to be somewhere and really need it and not have it. 
especially as they get older and go out into the world. Yeah. The other thing that um, we'll we'll talk about, or we should probably mention, is you know being prepared is great, but you should also test your preparedness from time to time, and keep in mind that sometimes these things expire. Um, you know, if you you should always test your backups. You should always you know make sure that you can do a sample restore from from offsite. Uh, you, you should test these methodologies from from time to time to make sure that they really do work, because sometimes you get into a situation and realize, huh. Well, that that battery is no good, or that thing expired, and I I didn't notice it, and and now I'm in trouble. the The other thing I'll tell you is one of the things I noticed when we had the hurricane coming is it was because it was coming and coming and coming and coming, and then it never came, and then it came, and ugh. Um, we we had stores that were sold out for a week or so in advance, you know, and you went and got gas, and then just because the hurricane took forever to get here, you ran out of the gas that you went and got, and you had to go get gas again. Um, but um. So one of the things that that I found out I did is like I need I could not find D cell batteries because D cell batteries are in a lot of you know flashlights and things like that. I, I went to a ton of stores and could not find D cell batteries, and um, so finally what I did is I was like, well, I have Amazon Prime. Um, I'm just going to Amazon Prime these batteries because the storm won't be here for three days, and Amazon Prime will get the batteries here in two <laughs> days. Good idea in theory, but then um, I found that uh, UPS and FedEx will uh, look for almost any reason not to deliver. And they're like, yeah, this this delivery has been delayed due to a weather exception. I'm like, <laughs> it's uh, 70 degrees and sunny outside. You know, what's going on? But but that's a good experience. I mean, because going through that, you now know that D-cell batteries are, are a thing in a hot commodity. So next, next year, as the season approaches, you can, you know, put a bunch away and, and have it ready when the season arrives and not have to make it a, a last minute rush. No, I had my Amazon delivery that came two weeks late. So I just put those away in the cabinet. And those will last a long time. But but just be careful of that and don't trust that your two day Amazon shipping is going to show up in two days. <laughs> yeah, order a portable generator and uh, maybe some scuba gear, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we are going to do feedback on this. I'm sure we're going to get some from you, but let's keep it to the tech stuff just so it's easier. Um, and we'll cover that in the upcoming show. Uh, I, I tell you what, Katie, I, because we've been getting better at kind of, and the listeners have been frankly better about not sending quite as much email and we're getting a little more time. I've been spending more time in the Facebook group than, than in the past. And I really like it. It's such a nice group of people and lots of fun discussions going on in there. So uh, if you haven't joined a Facebook group, please do. I think you're going to really uh, find it an enriching experience. It's, I, I would argue it's the nicest corner of Facebook on the internet. It's just so, I, we have almost no problems with uh, troublesome users. So, uh, so go in there and have a good time. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Smile, Making Light, 1Password, and Eero. And we will see you all next time. Music.